0: It's time for Wise
1: Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and
2: Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money
0: with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and friends, Kevin
2: Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you're like most investors, 2019 came as a wonderful surprise for you. But most of you may also be skeptical about what's in store for 2020 as well. What are the forces that will drive the markets, and how should you position your investments for the year ahead? That and more on this hour of Wise Money.
0: That's right. We're talking about investing. We don't talk about it often because it's just one area of your entire financial life, one of six. But it's got our undivided attention today. If you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and submit a question right there. You can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574 222 2000. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, where there are two, just search the Wise Money Show and you can submit questions there as well. Okay. So were you surprised by what the market did in 2019?
2: Absolutely. Not at all. Uh, I knew it. I knew you would lie. I knew (laughs) it. I knew it. it.
0: Okay. So I never get wrapped (laughs) up in these predictions, but a friend of mine, uh, you know, as as 2018 was coming to a crashing close, he sent me a text and, oh, hey, happy new year. This is uh, uh, over a year ago at the beginning of 2019. Hey, happy new year, blah, blah, blah. Hey, what's your, wh- what do you think the market's going to do? And which is just a total bait. And I fell for it and said, normally I don't do this, but my guess is the S&P 500 will finish in the 3,000s, 3, maybe 3,100. And I lowballed it. Like that, like that was a true guess. And I just figured we weren't heading into a recession, things would bounce back and all that. And
2: yet I was surprised at how well it did. Yeah. I mean, what what a massive year. And we'll, we'll get into the numbers and everything. But just think back to what you were feeling, though, a year ago. Because after the fourth quarter of 2018, things had fallen almost far enough to classify the decline as a bear market, which we've been waiting for years to experience again. And a lot of people were wondering, well, are we in the bear market, but we just haven't triggered that status yet. We All just right. haven't hit a low enough threshold before. We'll consider the market having kind of reset itself, and now we'll go into a long, long uh, increase over many years. And um, who knows? I mean – Coming out of 2018, uh, I remember again, a year ago, the Fed had been raising interest rates for a while, yep. and a lot of people thought they had really messed up. And there was really no indication whether they would correct that problem or not. Yep. And so, if, if you thought 2019 was gonna be potentially a rough year, or a choppy year, or uh, maybe, maybe even a negative year, I, I think you were in good company. Coming into 2019. Well,
1: and and if you think about the mindset of people, the way we're hardwired, you would logically think 2020 is going to be a negative year because what 2019. <clears throat> Say again.
0: 2019. Right. You know I mean?
1: right. Yeah. That's what I said. So you would you would logically think 2019 is going to be a bad year because we 2018 was a negative year. Yeah. So that's what we take what has recently happened and we project it forward and we say, well, you know, the, the from September to December, the market gave up 30 some percent, finished on the year down about 6 percent. And so you think, well, in 18, the market was down 6 percent. So in 19, it'll be down 6 to 10 percent again. And that is that's that's what we're prone to think
0: like. So what actually happened? Let me, let me run through the numbers really quick. No, essentially, nothing worked in 2018. And pretty much everything worked in 2019. Large cap U.S. stocks, again, the winner, if you would call it that. I mean, I think investors are the real winners here. But large cap uh, U.S. investments up 31.5%. Small caps up 25%. So that's pretty good. International, lag behind, but still at 22% positive. Emerging markets up about 19%. Real estate was actually the leader most of the year, actually going into the fourth quarter. And it sort of had a flat fourth quarter where, where US large cap stocks jumped. But real estate was up almost 29%. And even bonds, these slow, steady, everyone's been negative on bonds since I started my career nearly 20 years ago. Bonds still posted an eight,
2: almost nine percent rate of return. So no matter where and th- you look. Those are total return numbers correct. that are yeah, right. uh listing there, right? Which yep. you, you may do a little, little bit of your own research and say, boy, the the US stock market wasn't up that much. Well, that's because stock prices increased, but those same US companies were also paying out profits in the form of dividends, and that gets added to the rate of return that you earn for the year. Yeah. So here's here's yet again another
0: problem when you're looking at how your investments did compared to that list I just shared. You're likely comparing what you did to the U.S. large caps, so 31% or so. Now, you didn't do that because you likely had a mix of all of those that I shared and likely a decent chunk in bonds. And so most investors... Probably did around twenty percent last year. Mm-hmm. If you're diversified, and you should feel good about that. That is a fantastic it's, rate it's of return. That's incredible, and and so I wouldn't compare with envy to that thirty-one percent and think, oh geez, I got ripped off, or or I picked the wrong stuff or whatever. No, be be ecstatic
2: yeah. about the twenty percent or so that you that you got. Well, just to give you some perspective, I mean, if if you have a diversified portfolio and you are positioned for the long term. To earn 20 percent in one year, or 21 or 22, is more than double what you would expect in an average year. right So it's years like 2019 that help drag the average up. And you know that there are years like 2018 and other years uh, mixed in there as well that lag well behind 20 percent, even lag behind the six to eight percent that we would hope you'd earn over the long haul, yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about what to expect in, in 2020. However,
0: why did we get these results in 2019? And, and honestly, I feel like it was probably the one of the most underappreciated phenomenal years in the stock market that I can remember. I mean, posting a return like that, and yet all along, people were just skeptical and just didn't, <laughs> didn't really enjoy the ride. But really, what happened and, and why did we get those results? Right. And well, and I think a, a
1: big part of the reason why people didn't really enjoy the ride is it it was a pretty miserable ride. <laughs> so other than that, it it was great. But <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, when you look at that, the market was, the, you know, if we're just talking the S&P 500 and that is that is not your portfolio. But that a lot of times when people talk about the market, what's the market doing? So the S&P 500, well, the S&P 500 at one point this past year was down seven percent. So, and for a good part of the year, I mean, the, what happened? The goodness that happened in the stock market was really at the very end
0: right. of the year. Yeah, we had we had a surge in the first quarter, basically till May, to recover from the fall of eighteen, and then things were flat from May until October. You know you got trade war stuff you've got other things that made the market bounce around and then the market surged you know the santa rally came early and and mid-october and it went i mean soaring right through the end of the year and so we really had two advances in the year that um that made up for these returns i already mentioned one of the things that really contributed to the returns that's that's the trade war uh stuff that we really we, we think it's mostly on the right trajectory, but now there's still even lots of questions about it. But that certainly influenced markets last year.
2: Absolutely. And and at some key points as well. I mean, getting a new deal with Mexico and Canada, mm-hmm. replacing NAFTA, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And certainly the president is using that as a template for future negotiations with other countries as well. So. Um, the markets can kind of look at that and say, "Okay, maybe there's more of this goodness to to come." But there's a saying on Wall Street: "Don't fight the Fed." Mm-hmm. There's a saying for everything on Wall Street, yeah. I think, but that's an important one because if the Fed is lowering interest rates, which is stimulative to the economy, you don't want to bet against the economy doing well in an environment like that. Right. And if the environment, or if the economy is doing well then you would expect that the stock market is predictive of that positive growth as well. And there was a there was an about-face with the
0: Fed in 2019, actually, right at the end of 18 into 2019. And so we're going to talk about that. That greatly influenced the market. Plus, I, my list is still several other bullet points long. And then, how does this all boil down to what you should expect for 2020 and how you should position your investments? We've got that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group.
1: This is Wise Money with
0: Corhorn Financial Group. After an incredible year in 2019 and your investments, how should you position them for 2020 and the year ahead? What's going to drive it? And and what do you need to do today to make sure you capitalize? We've got that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the Wise Money Show. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. To stay up to date on all Wise Money content, you'll find us online, wisemoneyshow.com and then all over social media, just search Wise Money Show. Make sure you're following us there. All right, so what else drove the markets in 2019? Again, this very underappreciated, phenomenal year. We left off with Josh talking about don't fight the Fed. And let me just say, going into... 2019, there was all sorts of history being written about, uh, you know, the Fed causes recessions and the Fed's going to cause this one by their missteps and they're going to raise rates they expected three times in 2019. Mm -hmm. And we actually reduced rates three times, right? right? That's right. So, yeah, the Fed has completely changed their position and it's gotten a lot of scrutiny. However, you would you would argue that they haven't seen a lot of inflation, and therefore they justified in trying to keep the rally going, and, and they don't need to have interest rates high
2: because inflation seems so tame. Well, and they were also dealing with something, and I'm going to get real nerdy here for a second, but you've heard us mention this on this show before, the yield curve. The yield curve had flipped upside down, which is an unnatural place for it to be. And the yield curve, if you don't recall what that is, it's basically just a, a scatter plot showing all of the interest rates in the economy. And you would expect that short-term interest rates would be lower than long-term interest rates, and they weren't for a while there. And so the Fed was trying to lower interest rates and get that put back to normal again. And that, that's part of what was going on. And, and the reason we pay attention to the yield curve is throughout history – it's often seen as a predictor of a recession that's coming.
0: Yeah, I think it's predicted 14 of the last seven recessions. <laughs> I, I,
2: honestly, I know
0: that's, that Kevin says that with a little more humor, but yeah. it, it inverts. And sometimes that means there's a recession and sometimes it doesn't. So uh, ultimately, though, the consumer has been really strong and uh, that hasn't really helped most retail, most retailers, but it has certainly helped the housing market. I, I think we ended 2019 with a record high uh, housing confidence ratio. I'm not sure; I don't have the exact uh, data in front of me, but um, uh, home builders have record high confidence because of the amount of demand that they're facing. And when the consumer is healthy, that typically means for the upcoming future, the market should be pretty healthy too. We know that can change on a dime.
2: Well, that's because we have an economy that is driven by consumer spending. Mm -hmm. It's by you and me and all our friends and neighbors just spending money on a daily basis. And that's what drives the economy. And uh, you mentioned the consumer being healthy. And I, I saw an interesting chart recently that shows household debt payments as a percentage of your income are... About as low as I've ever seen them. Certainly you know what, in my lifetime. You know, it's interesting though the headlines out there that that Americans have the highest credit card balance that they've ever had, mm-hmm. as well. Uh huh. But it just but uh, if you look at the payment mm-hmm. compared to your income, it feels smaller than it's ever been
0: before. I'm just gonna give, give give you some advice right now. If you fall in that that statistic where your credit card balance has kind of crept up higher than it's ever been before. Get that thing paid down. Absolutely. Get that thing paid down before the next recession. Before the next. Oh, I wish I would have. Just work on that thing right now. Especially after the holidays, you're starting the starting the year. Maybe in the hole. Get that thing paid down.
1: Yeah, I've I've gotten that sense as well. I mean, the the issue with what we're seeing towards the end of 2019, it feels like to me. And again, I don't trust my feelings when it comes to this stuff. But it feels like we're starting to heat up, not necessarily overheating, but it feels like we're starting to heat up. Warren Buffett says, hey, when people are fearful, you should be greedy, and when people are greedy, you should be fearful. And the problem is, is people look and they say, well, the technology sector was up about 50% last year, so I'm going to now, move my chips into technology, because I would be happy with half that return. <laughs> and it's it's that is, that is the wrong way to approach investing, but there are a lot of things that are happening. One of the things that you asked, Mike, about what, what were the surprises this past year, I think, and, and it's easy to gloss over this or forget about it, one of the surprises that we have is that there wasn't a recession. I, I mean, in the middle of this past year, all, if you turned on the radio or picked up a newspaper, um, I can explain to you, younger folks, what that is. Um, but there's these newspapers that they print stuff on, and um, you would have thought that the sky is actually falling.
0: You said in this past year, people have been predicting the 2019 recession since 2015. They yeah. have been plotting <laughs> out what was going to happen with interest rates and the yield curve, and said, "Bam, 2019, watch out." Right. So, but it 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 was there
1: was a pronounced Season, let's just say, of um, talking about, hey, this recession is coming. This recession mm-hmm. is coming. This recession is coming. So the, here's the reality: don't listen to that stuff. <laughs> period. Don't listen to it. What you need to do is make sure that you are recession-proofing your household. Yeah. So I mean, do what Mike's talking about.
0: If you're not following us on the YouTube channel, check us out there. We've got a a a vlog uh, video about how to prepare for the next recession. So if um, if you haven't seen that, check that out. All right, so what's ahead for 2020? You know, it, expectations, what's going to drive it? I, I mean, I'll just start with the big one. Uh,
2: yeah, I was going to say, have, have you heard there's an election this there year? There is an election, I think, <laughs>
0: in the United States at some point in 2020.
2: And so there's
0: uh, that will obviously sway things. I remember... Um, when George W., that, that year he was reelected, the market was basically flat. I mean, it had some ups and downs right up until the election. But then you look at the year, and I think it finished positive 15% or somewhere around there. And it all came from the election on. But the market, hating uncertainty, was just sort of treading water until then. I think we have enough going on that I don't, I don't see us treading water. But obviously, the, the election is going to play a big role.
2: It will. And regardless of the outcome, I mean, it's it's so far away. And yet all eyes are, are glued to the Democratic um, you know, process right now. And Republicans, obviously, we have our candidate who knows who's going to win the, the full election in the fall. But here's what we know. It will surprise a bunch of people it will surprise them on what the what the impact will be with their investments. I mean, think back to the first time that Trump was elected. There were many people that thought the investment world was just going to spiral out of control and the, be horrible. They
0: had to shut the futures down overnight. Yeah, the night the futures, of the election,
1: it was down 900
0: points. So they, just, they suspended trading, and the next day the market was positive. Yeah.
2: So there are many people who bet the farm that – First of all, they could predict how the election was going to go and then how the outcome of the election would impact their investments. And that's just a fool's game. You are not investing for the next year or even the next presidential term. Whatever you're investing for is a long-term goal that will span many presidential terms and really be driven by the, the economic engine that um, really it, it supersedes what a presidential uh, impact can can really have.
1: But l- let me talk to you out there. If you are thinking, hey, the candidate on on one side or the other, if that person wins, I'm going to have to take some drastic measures in my portfolio. I I would really encourage you to not think along those lines. Yeah. Um, I've actually seen it. I've seen people who were convinced that if Barack Obama was elected for another term, that the world was going to end. And so they actually did take measures in their portfolio and it doesn't that that is not a winning game. If you are in it, if you're playing the get rich slowly long game, the way to do it is to have a strategy and follow your strategy not try to out thinking and it's very tempting yeah. to say hey i know if this person gets elected what's going to happen therefore i'm going to and, and especially right now uh with the market being yeah. up over the last 10 years you say well listen i'm i would be fine well guess what the people that did that last november missed out on on 15 percent.
0: and and for those of you that don't know kevin very well i mean that's not a that's not a uh, it's not coming from a politically neutral source there. <laughs> Kevin Kevin loves politics and and has very strong strong views, and yet that's wisdom that you shared about investing through it. More, there's there's several other things that will impact the market, and then we've got to talk about what should you do with your investments for twenty twenty. So that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: How should you invest for 2020? There's actually something you should do right now to make sure you're positioned appropriately. We've got that coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies as well as Diane Bennett and her Inspired Homes team. Josh, was I right? I'm pretty sure Bethel University had a top 10 play on SportsCenter around right. the new yeah, year. An amazing dunk. It was an amazing dunk. <laughs> I watched it three times. Like,
2: Really? Bethel? Bethel University? Wait, the are Bethel? I, I think they're still undefeated. Wow. They have a
0: pretty awesome team this year. Oh. If you're not listening on the YouTube channel, I'd, I'd encourage you to do that. You get all the bonus content. Of course, there's vlogs as well. We talked about recession proofing. We've got a vlog about that. Next week, we're going to be talking about the new SECURE Act. It doesn't sound familiar. It will impact your financial life. It will. Mm-hmm. And so tune in next week, but also make sure you're following us on the YouTube channel. We've got a vlog out there about that. Just go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications as well. All right. Before we get into what you should be doing with your invest with your investments, especially right now, what else is going to drive the market in 2020? Election,
2: of course, what else? Yeah, I, I think the the ongoing trade discussions will be a theme that many investors are going to be watching because it has implications for economic growth, not just here in the U.S., but in other economies as well and we're all we're kind of all in this together as as we've said in the past if china catches a cold we may get it as well right and so uh there there's kind of high stakes going right now on a lot of these trade renegotiations and it's it's bigger than just hey is it going to be fair isn't it going to be fair how, how quickly can we get the economic engine really roaring in both countries because everybody wins in that situation?
0: I, I, I'm watchful for a surprise from the Fed. If thing, if the economy is stable and if consumers continue to spend and if we see some expansion in GDP, everyone's expecting still in the 2%, which is very low, which that doesn't really yield a lot of inflation. okay? But if things really heat up and we start seeing inflation, I'm, I'm watchful for the Fed. If we don't see that, then they've said we'll keep rates normal and everyone's expecting that. But if we see things start to heat up and they start increasing rates, that could be a big surprise. So Fed decision as always, I would be watchful for that for 2020. Also, I mean, it, it boils down to economic growth. I mentioned GDP, but I mean, all of this noise that, you know, who's going to be president, what the Fed does, you know, consumer spending, all of that, they're all sort of indications of what might happen to corporate profits. Corporate profits is what actually drives the market. Yeah. That's it. That's and right. so, um, of course, economic growth will be, will be in focus for 2020. With all of that, then what should you do with your investments?
1: So, and I'm happy to talk about that. But did you want our my predictions? Well, okay,
2: for, sure. For these You're going to take various... bait. Yeah, I. So I, <laughs> I think. Wait,
1: I, I
0: want to write
2: this down.
1: I, I I, do, I want you to write it down. So, I, and it'll be uh, preserved for uh, posterity, sake. On, the, on the internet. Yeah, the internet never forgets. That's right. So, on the election, I'm predicting there will be one in <laughs> in November. Okay. And there will be a peaceful. I predict a peaceful continuation of power. Um, I think it would be very, very difficult uh, with – if you just look at data and statistics, whenever – first of all, you have an incumbent president, but you also have a roaring economy. So you put those two things together, and it would be pretty tough to imagine a scenario um, that – that, that that there's a, a change of regimes in, in Washington. Um, the, the Fed, I think they will continue to pump money and liquidity in, which is one of the reasons why you want to make sure your portfolio is where it should be, because you want to participate in that. And then um, I think we're going to continue figuring out trade deals. I have a good friend who is an Asparagus farmer, and in the, the 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 deal that was just done, they they got hurt. Mexico can still dump uh, their product for the two months that Michigan is producing their 26 million pounds of asparagus. Well, if it, and basically the way they can get around the no dumping rules is they just average out the price over the year. So Mexico's average price is fine. But basically, they're giving it away while the Michigan farmers are harvesting their crop. So it is it, – it, trade is – it's way more complicated than any of us give it credit for. And um, there's oftentimes where um, your ox is going to get gored um, and you, you, are, you are made you, – you make it or break it based on factors that are beyond your control. Which is confusing because when you make it based on factors outside of your control, you're tempted to give yourself the credit and say, (laughs) I am amazing. And then when um, something bad happens, you say, well, look, uh, it's not my fault. Um, So I think trade, we're going to keep going. I think um, Brexit is going to happen. I think Boris Johnson is going to be able to pull that off. If he's able to pull that off, some of the other countries that – in uh, the European Union are going to start sniffing and saying, "Hey, I don't want to have the burden that this collective has, so set us free as yeah. well." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think economic growth will continue. I think with the with the number of people that are employed. And we're at full employment right now, and that gives upward pressure on wages. And so there are a lot of positive reinforcing upward, upward spirals that are happening as we speak. So I, I would assume that based on everything that is knowable and seeable, 2020 is going to be a great year. And I am I don't know how long it will last, but I do think at some point in time whether it's 2020 or some point in the future there's got to be a tragedy that causes america to deal with their runaway spending mm. and because the bureaucrats in washington won't deal with their runaway spending we're going to have to and it'll it'll all be fine until what and what what's the event i yeah. don't know yeah, but sort of it's going to be an unseen unforeseen event and the difficult thing about unforeseen events is you just you can't see them right and so, Kevin you know, saw it here first. Yeah. You'll be it, able to it. see it. And so, I mean, is the dollar not going to be the reserve currency for the rest of the world um, because of Bitcoin and blockchain and all these other um, all right. technologies? I mean, who knows what's coming or when it's coming? So, I would not operate in fear, but I would operate in in aware, I would operate in gratitude because if you if you start with gratitude, you have a shot. And then I would operate in awareness. Hey, listen, there are some things that are being done that should not be happening, and because of that, and I'm going to put the blame squarely on all parties in Washington. Mm. Um, but because of those things, there are difficult days coming that we cannot imagine. So I would say, just prepare yourself.
2: Yeah. And maybe that's the message there because everything you shared initially was kind of your thesis on uh, how the economy and how the investment world may perform in 2020. It's, it's based on facts. It's based on some assumptions of what those facts mean. And all of us have some sort of a thesis on what we think could happen. Yeah. Okay. And, and maybe your thesis is just it's unknowable. So who, who knows? But the point is you shouldn't bet the farm one direction or another. And that's where taking a disciplined approach with your investments is always going to be what we preach. Yep. Right. And, and one of the most important things that you can do that is within your control and you, you dictate the timing on this is rebalance your portfolio. What we know is that last year had an amazing effect of growth on your portfolio, some areas more than others. And some of those areas may have grown to kind of nudge out or take up more of the, the, the portfolio than, than other areas, and it's gotten maybe a little out of balance. And so sometimes one of the most disciplined things you can do is a difficult thing to do, and that's to sell a little bit of the winner's and buy some of the stuff that you don't really love right now. And it's for the sake of maintaining the right mix of investments for the long haul, not for your short-term thesis necessarily. Love that idea
0: of rebalancing. There's two additional thoughts that I would have. And then we've got a, a great question from a fan of the show. who's talked about, well, should I invest in more real estate? So we've got that more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corehorn Financial Group.
2: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate
0: Studies. Should you invest in real estate inside of your Roth IRA? We've got that question from a fan of the show coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and josh gregory if you love listening to podcasts you will find the wise money show on podcast wherever you listen just search the wise money show subscribe to it so whether you're out and about if you're shoveling snow if you're doing whatever okay you can listen to the wise money show and um please rate the show for us and leave comments as well we appreciate that all right so before we jump into to questions from fans of the show let's succinctly then i mean people have been listening the whole time saying just tell me what to do for twenty twenty. And um so what is it? Kevin. Okay, get your pad and your pen
1: or pencil or your device, depending on uh what generation you're from. Uh, so number one and and um I, I Mike said get these down to three, so I've got my um I, I I'll show you a way to get sixteen into three. <laughs> um but seriously you wanna you wanna fix or confirm your allocation. And that's basically the mix of how your investments are allocated. So with stocks, you want different flavors of stocks. And with bonds, you want different flavors of bonds. If you're young, this could be one of the biggest financial decisions you'll ever make in your lifetime. I, uh, a little story, I I met with a, a client and um, this they were transitioning and they had some money in their retirement plan, and we went online. They logged in to their 401K, printed out their statement, and their rate of return since 2001 was a little less than 1%. And they said, see, I have this awful 401K. And the reality is I had another client that worked at the exact same company, that their rate of return in that same time period was a little bit north of 10%. And you say, wait a minute, you had two terrible stock markets, you know, bear markets in that time frame. How is that even possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. If you're buying in through that, you're winner, winner, chicken dinner. So make sure you are buying in to the right mix, and technology is making that easier and easier and easier to do. Which, So I would say – Confirm you have the right allocation, and if you don't know how, make sure you seek out a, a, a competent financial planner. That would be a certified financial planner.
2: So did plan. that client just have too low a level of risk in their portfolio? They, they weren't growth-oriented the enough? Well, what?
1: they they did a couple of things. They had um, made—they they zigged when they should have zagged a couple of times, and then— Towards the end of the last couple of years, they'd had it all in the money market account um, because of their certainty of what was going to happen. Mm. And um, certainly they were wrong. Mm -hmm. So you you want to make sure you've got the right allocation. And then the second thing is then rebalance your current investments to those. And so this does not apply to everyone. But if you have a 401k right now, log in. And go to the automatic rebalance function. And if you did number one, which is confirm you have the right allocation, then click to rebalance. I personally... And, and statistically, this isn't going to make much difference at all. Uh, <laughs> but I personally like the monthly rebalance because there are some times when things, you know, spike up a little bit and so you sell a little bit of that. But it you don't do it yourself. It happens on autopilot. Right. So you are not thinking. You 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 want this this stuff to be automatic. If While you're in your 401K um, uh, online there, the other thing I would ask you to do is check your beneficiary designations. Um, Those may or may not be correct. So go in and update those as long as you're at it. Um, I know that has nothing to do um, with your investments, but that your loved ones uh, will care and thank you later. Um, So, and then number three, I would assess your resources. So what what have you been able to assemble and amass resource-wise relative to your plan? So think about that. Think if your financial plan is... Is your ways or your Google Maps or whatever your map quest that you printed out, or, <laughs> 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 or your State days. Farm Road Atlas or whatever whatever you have, but make sure that you you have a plan and make sure when you look and you know for sure: Am I ahead of pace? Am I behind pace? Am I right on? Think Goldilocks and the Three Bears: too hot, too cold, just right.
2: I'm glad that we're here. And in the fourth segment, we're finally turning the conversation from just investments to investments in the context of your plan. Because a, a certified financial planner's job is to help you figure out what is the right mix of investments for you so that regardless of what 2020 has ahead of, it, ahead of us, what is the mix of investments that's going to take you to your goals far beyond 2020? Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it's fun to talk about and to be interested in what the market's doing and what what will it do next. But ultimately, what is your plan and how are you going to position your investments to take advantage of whatever the market does? Yeah,
1: I, I had an interesting thing. We sold some stuff on uh, Facebook Marketplace. And uh, the guy that came to pick it up said, hey, you know, I have um, I have this gal that, that keeps pursuing me from one of these uh, – Local organizations and she's telling me about this team of experts that that she has in St. Louis that can really give us great me some great (laughs) ideas on how to invest my money and she wants to invest my money and she thinks I need to invest investment and I said hey how's your plan he said what plan I'm like see you you don't need someone who sells investments you need someone who walks with you through your life and helps you create a plan that you can follow yeah because okay. the, the the reality is that team of experts hasn't come up with uh, greater results than.
0: But the but the the fear of missing out, the get rich quick, the could I could I change something in my investments and have you know it, it be the next Amazon that is very alluring, but the get rich slow, the right principles, the right process, the right habits, that's really the surefire way to get there. So. Which sort of leads into a great question uh, from uh, from a fan of the show. I wanted to sneak this in when we're talking about investing because um, because Andre shared a couple weeks ago his his philosophy. I just wanted to throw that out there and get Kevin and Josh's and share my take as well. And Basically, I'll, I'll summarize it. And um, within his Roth IRA, he's looking at investing in rental real estate um, within the Roth and says when you add appreciation, the mortgage deduction— rental income you can earn returns north of 20% easily real estate inside the roth would be a very powerful way to grow my portfolio tax free compared to a tr- traditional mutual fund that just earns 5 to 10% what do you guys think i would be careful i'd i'd be careful of that number 1 you don't you don't get the mortgage deduction when it's inside of uh, your your roth i mean that doesn't you, you
1: can't he's get a,
2: talking about rental real estate, but I
1: I know but that that see this is this is where if you don't know what you don't know, you um you, you there's a risk there. Because the mortgage deduction suggests that there's a mortgage on the property. And if there's a mortgage on the property, you have to watch out for UBTI. hmm And if you don't know what UBTI is, what you want to do is take the three steps that I just mentioned and fix your allocation yeah. and rebalance yeah. your Roth IRA and keep your life simple because if you want to talk about a an incredibly complicated way, if you want money to invest in rental real estate, it shouldn't this is my opinion it should not be coming from your Roth IRA unless you have an absolute ton of money in your Roth IRA number one and um, you, enjoy complexity. Yeah. And and if you really, really, really enjoy complexity, then I would say go for it.
2: And that's the voice of experience there. You, you've yes. been a landlord, yeah. it is a lifestyle decision as much as an investment decision, Right. and you, you may not like that life. Yeah. I, I remember a client who was heavy into rental real estate and he told me he's got 35 toilets he's gotta worry about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I needed to hear right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I and and if you break it down with rental
0: real estate, when you actually look at the cost, property taxes and insurance, blah blah blah, and then you know assigning any value to your time, the actual rate of return is not that significantly different than what you'd see elsewhere in passive type investments. So um, we'll probably pick up on that um, in, in a in a future show. But thanks for the comment, Andre. We appreciate it. And, uh, all right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next area for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities, Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.